try to burn off. Run right to the back of him. Run right to the middle and out the back. What's known in football terms as a slam dunk. Welcome in to Daytime Fireworks. I am your host, Zach Barry. Joining me as always, Mr. David Brandt of the Associated Press. David, for the first time this season, we are reconvening on a Tuesday post Ole Miss when it was an L in the column and not a win as Ole Miss falls 24-10 to to Alabama last week. We will briefly talk about it. We're not going to get too in-depth by this point. People are already... Tired of talking about it, moved on and looking ahead to LSU, but we will talk a little bit about what we uh, saw. Um, but anyways, welcome in. How are we doing this morning? Doing all right. Doing okay. Get a, get a, getting uh, just digesting all the, the football goodness from the last three or four days. <laughs> I don't know if you saw, David, I, briefly a uh, little sidebar here before we start. It seems like Ole Miss might be trying to develop some kind of Arizona pipeline as uh, they already have a commitment in the 24 class from Dylan Hip, who's a tight end at Desert Mountain High School. They extended an offer to a uh, 2025 prospect yesterday that's from Notre Dame Prep over there in Scottsdale. Yeah, there's, I, you know, Phoenix, it, it's kind of a concentrated in the metro area, but there's there's quite a bit of talent around here, including quite a few quarterbacks that have come, come out of this area. There, uh, so over the years, and obviously I – know a good bit about it just from covering recruiting but i mean you look at like the greater phoenix and then also just arizona in general i mean you've got chandler uh basha suaro um hamilton pinnacle desert edge is usually solid desert mountains undefeated this year brophy prep i remember them um oh yeah well, the, was, the um, school um, that my girls will go to is Highland, and they, they won a state title a year or two ago. And they had they're the the pride of Brian Fitzpatrick. <laughs> I know he's an oldie oh. but a goodie, but yeah, I mean it's you know what they do here in in Phoenix and in Arizona, really in general. That's actually kind of similar to Texas. The high schools are huge; they are monstrous. I mean, like yes, you know Highland, where my girls will go. Uh, their graduating class, if it holds, will be close to a thousand kids. And there's, you Jeez. know, so there's four, yeah, there's about four thousand kids per high school. And Highland isn't the biggest high school. There's Hamilton's bigger, Bash is bigger. You talked about some of them, Chandler High School, you know, and yeah. you know, Chandler had that run of like four college quarterbacks in a row. So you've got all these, it's like those massive suburban Dallas schools or suburban Houston schools. It's just like that in Phoenix. The six A classification i mean the schools are monstrous and the and the 5a and 4a classifications are really good too you talk about like brophy prep and stuff like that but pinnacle i think is 5a but yeah i it, i you know i know there's other things obviously in life other than sports and football but it is interesting these massive high mm-hmm. schools man they produce some some really good football and and it, if you can get through the chain and you know play as a senior at one of these big schools there's a good chance you'll play Somewhere, you know, Corona del Sol, you know, there's all, all these. I mean, there's 30 or 40 schools in the, in the uh, Phoenix Metro. But anyway, it's just kind of interesting. Moving from 
Mississippi, that was a big adjustment because Northwest Rankin was where my girls would have gone in Jackson. And that was yeah. one of the biggest schools in the state of Mississippi. And it was about half the size of the one they'll go to, which, again, is good and bad, depending on what you're looking for, you know, obviously. Yeah. You who know, knew? But I, I think – Oh, who ahead. knew who knew having just one high school in a city or town would make athletics good? Who knew? <laughs> right, that is true. Like um, now the, the flip side of it is not as many get, kids get the chance to play and stuff like that. So I understand that. Sure, but sure. Yeah, just just for churning out awesome six A football teams and five A <laughs> and four A, Arizona's pretty good at it. This is a conversation, David, that I've had with several of my friends that I went to rival high schools with in Germantown, Tennessee, where it's like, could you imagine just how good baseball would have been if we had all gone to the same high school? Um, <laughs> sure. And in football yeah, too, it's, like, it's always... you know, I got, I got yeah. at least, I got one state championship, but there were several years where we were in a semifinal game. And it's like, if, if we had this dude from Houston or this dude from Carrieville, like it would have been a boat race. Yeah, no, that was – I remember Houston uh, – you remember Zach Miller. He went to Houston High School, I believe. We lost to him. He – that jerk. He's which, about your age, I guess. <laughs> he is a year – he's a year older than me, and he is a he is a dear friend. Uh, we, we battled on the baseball diamond and the football field. Um, we lost to him in Houston uh, – I'm not even going to try to think of the year, but it was my – junior year he kicked like a 54 yarder to beat us oh, and i mean wow. it, it would have been it would have been good from like 60 i mean he absolutely booted it um and then yeah baseball for him if he hit it to the left side of the infield it was a single um he was he was ridiculous um all right so let's get into it really quick we're not going to spend a lot of time on it. Ole miss obviously lost by 14 on saturday uh, for me, David, I'll keep it simple, and then I'll let you give your your piece here. I was just mostly disappointed in the Ole Miss game plan offensively. No, shocker, they scored 10 points. Not fun. Um, I just – I'm very nervous and starting to get a little impatient as a watcher of Ole Miss football from a – you know, career and like job standpoint of covering this team. The lack of creativity right now on offense is concerning, is it not? Oh, I totally agree. I mean, that's exactly what I was thinking. And I don't think, you know, I'm reinventing the wheel here talking about this. But yeah, it was just the total, you know, you're going to play Alabama and Tuscaloosa. Things happen. Sometimes you lose. But man, there, there just wasn't a lot of creativity on offense. I don't see a lot of growth. You know, we keep saying Quinshawn Judkins is going to break out, but then he just never really breaks out. I don't, you know, obviously that's a complicated thing with the offensive line and the play calling on it. I'm not saying that's all his fault, but you, you're you looking for a team. I've been spouting out of my face hole the last four or five weeks about how good it is to have <laughs> continuity and, you know, like how that's a that's a big bonus in college football these days because with the transfer portal not a lot of teams have it and Ole Miss actually has a little bit of that especially in some really important positions and they just uh, they're just kind of the same team they were last year and you know that's that's just disappointing I mean just you know from a, again just from covering college football 
sitting down on a Saturday to watch a big time game, to watch Ole Miss come out and just be kind of blah. I mean, I, I was I was kind of pining for the Hugh Freeze days, at least when they lost when Hugh Freeze was there, they went out forty two to thirty four. <laughs> like Yeah, yeah. That crazy was crazy what happened. You know, like at least you threw threw your bag of tricks at it. You know, Hugh Freeze yeah. always had a few things going and and sometimes it worked, sometimes it didn't, but he tried. And it just felt like this one, you know, Ole Miss conventionally lined up against Alabama. Alabama got it into a slugfest like they wanted to. Um, and they just kind of imposed their will onto the game. And it just, you know, for somebody off the field who is so charismatic like Elaine Kiffin and stuff like that to just look like he just didn't have many answers, it was just kind of jarring. It was, I, I haven't felt like this watching Ole Miss football in a long time. It was just like, ugh. Right. You know what I mean? It was like, ah, well, I don't know. That so. was so I had that exact same conversation with several people on Saturday night where it was like Ole Miss goes out and loses 24-20 or 38-35. No one is that upset. Yeah, it sucks you lost. You want to well, be undefeated. Are, you you want to Yeah, it's a road game in the SEC West. Like it's hard to win. It doesn't matter if this is a down Alabama team. And look, I was on the train of Ole Miss going in there and winning. I mean, it, I was too. I had several full, full stop. Yeah. I mean, there were, I listened to a ton of national podcasts over the week, uh, over the course of last week. And I mean, there were people everywhere picking Ole Miss outright in that game. Um, but yeah, I just, it, it's so bizarre that Lane Kiffin, who is dubbed as this offensive guy and this dude that just, well, he just finds mismatches and he finds wrinkles and he he finds your weak spot and he just pokes you and prods you right there until you stop it. And then he finds something else. And we're not seeing that this year. I mean, outside of Mercer, the offense has not been exciting. Now, could that be attributed to the offensive line issues? Like you said, could it be attributed to Quinchon Judkins not being 100%, which Kiffin said he's been battling through some pain the last two weeks. He expects him to be full go and, and to be much better this weekend. Um, but again, you got to see it. It's one thing for Kiffin to say it, but he's got to do it. We're, but Right. We're, we're four weeks into the season now and it's been a little bit. Yeah. So I, I do think that now we, we gotta, we, we gotta talk both sides here. I think the injuries are obviously really hamstring in this offense. Not only Judkins being not a hundred percent, but you've got, Caden Priestcorn and Zachary Franklin, who were out all season, they first um, saw action last week against Alabama. Priestcorn had a big catch on the first drive. Franklin, I think, had a couple catches. He had one one long one catch and run. Yeah, one catch. Um, and then Trey Harris, like he had surgery after the the two lane game. Um, he basically was a red zone situational guy in the Alabama game. They put him in a couple times, threw to him. Um, I, <laughs> David, we could do a whole show about the uh, hilarity of the officiating. Um, I, I mean, it's the bingo square of a missed face mask on an Ole Miss quarterback was was crossed off early in this one. Um, <laughs> and then I'm convinced I would love at media days if he's still there next year. I would love to get a crack at sitting down with Nick Saban off the record and asking him what he teaches uh, his his corners to do in coverage because I'm convinced that he teaches them to deliberately interfere and just, Hey, we'll just see if they call it because um, 
I mean, yeah. I do think that there's coaches, I don't know with Saban in general. Probably. But, you know, especially in the college rule where it's 15 yards and you're throwing deep. I mean, sometimes it's worth it just to interfere. Like, if you really think you're going to get beat and give up a 30-yarder, just interfere. Like, it's, oh, like yeah. you said, or see if they call it. You know, I mean, it's it's worth it. Yeah. A little different now, in pro football, but definitely in college. I I, yeah, I understand where that's that's not always a bad penalty. Yeah, when it's a spot foul, it's not great. Um, but but yeah, I mean, I, and obviously, I'm not saying the officiating is why Ole Miss lost the game. The Ole Miss lost the game because they could not capitalize on the opportunities they had in the first half, um, and the defense just ran out of gas. I, Alabama was begging Ole Miss to win this game in the first half. They were begging Ole Miss to take it and run away with it. Yeah, the defense was great. Several three and outs, you know, six and outs. Uh, they they were they were getting stops. Um, I, no, the defense, we talked about this. The defense played fine. I mean, oh, yeah. They weren't perfect, but I, I thought they played well enough to win. They played, yeah, good enough to win a football game on the road in the SEC, and that's all you could ask. Which is um, which is really good, yeah. Yeah, so, um, yeah, I mean, that's what I, I just keep coming back to, David, was just the offense. Questions are starting to – they're starting to rise to the surface here, you know. What's the what's the issue? Is it the is it the injuries? Because look, Caden Prescorn and Zachary Franklin and Trey Harris are three really good pass catchers. Sure, if they were all hundred percent and and just itching to go, it's probably a different game. But on the flip side, the lack of creativity and the lack of just I don't know how many times you've got to run a jet sweep on third and long against Alabama and get tackled for a six yard loss to turn and say, Hey, maybe we should scratch that one off the play card. <laughs> I, I, it was, it was bizarre. And then the last thing I'll say on the Bama game, and we'll move on that final drive. What the hell was going on? It's, I think they get the ball with like eight minutes, seven or eight minutes left in the game. They're down two scores. Yeah. I'd look at this 15 play 55 yard drive. What was that? Are you playing right. for the cover? Were you, Right when you need two scores, like take some shots. Like I mean, you they were... I remember watching that too, and I was just they were like, draining the play you know, clock. Right, exactly. It was like the roles were switched. It was like this is what I would do if I were Alabama at this point. But I, you know, I don't know. I mean, it, it, but yes, it it just kind of epitomized just how vanilla they kind of looked. Yeah. And like like I said, there's reason. You know, some injuries, the offensive line wasn't great. I still think even with the injuries, Ole Miss had enough dudes that they should have been able to, you know, if Lane Kiffin is the offensive genius, some believe he is, then, you know, you ought to be able to you know, make some chicken salad out of that. I don't know. Yeah. I, it was just well, it I mean, was really you, Yeah, you could argue that this team is probably across the board more talented than 2020, and that 2020 team had Nick Saban had his knees weak, arms are heavy, vomit on the sweater. I mean, he was nervous in that game. Yeah. I, I mean, now a healthy Kenny Yaboa and, and a really, really, really good Elijah Moore, who's in the NFL, helps you. But, like, I don't understand. Like, Jackson Dart is in his second year in the system. He's not some young guy like he was last year where, you know, he's basically a freshman. Um, 
you know, he is a veteran at this point. And look, I don't, Jackson Dart was not the problem. I saw some people. No, he was fine again. Like, I mean, he, he is what, unless Jackson Dart is superhuman right now, I think that's part of it. Like, he was good. He wasn't great against Alabama, but you can't expect him to run for 100 yards and throw for 350 every game. Like, he needs some help. Yeah. And he had the one bad interception and it was bad. That yeah. is the yeah, worst. That's the worst decision he's made this year up until this point. And and last thing here, I'll ask you this and then we'll move on. I thought that that was a product of him pressing because he was like, I got to take a shot because we are just so conservative right now. I thought he was trying to get Ole Miss on the board. He was trying to make a big play to spark something because I thought Lane Kiffin's body language on the sideline was terrible. He looked like he didn't want to be there. He did not look like a coach that was, uh, you know, outside of the first like quarter and a half. After that, once Ole Miss, or once Alabama punched back, he looked like he he didn't want to be there. Yeah, no, and, and I I'm not in Dart's head. Obviously, I didn't talk to him after the game or anything like that. But wouldn't surprise me. I mean, I'm sure all the players on offense have to be. You know, you joined Ole Miss to be part of Lane Kiffin's offense. This explosive interesting type offense and it's not happening i can see jackson dart pressing to try to you know just make something happen so i even though it was a terrible decision like you said i I can understand it yeah it was it was it was frustrating to watch right it was just like i said it was it was different you know because Ole miss loses games like teams lose games but this was one where you just it was really kind of a foundation shaking you know, like, is this just kind of what Ole Miss is now? Like, a, a interesting, fun team, but kind of an eight and four team. Is this the ceiling? Yeah. I don't know. And that's you know, that's a especially when you're when you're wanting to rise into that elite echelon of teams in the SEC and, and college football. That's just mm-hmm. kind of a depressing moment to hit. And I'm not saying Ole Miss has hit it, but I think right now the program has somewhat plateaued. But as a segue. If they beat LSU this Saturday, it's all systems go again. You know what I mean? Like, there's, yeah, yeah. there's a chance to jump back right into it. So I think that's absolutely the, that's the silver lining right now. But yeah, this was a this was a tough one, and not just not just because they lost. It was this was a pro. This hurt the program. So we'll we'll see yeah. how they respond. It's a big it's a big week for all this for Lane Kiffin too. Absolutely. Uh, before we get into that, I do want to remind you this podcast is brought to you by HelloFresh. Um, look, it, it's for somebody like me with two young kids, they're pretty easy to cook for. They they've got their they've got their food groups that they like. We stick to it. We make it easy. We just get them in, get them out, fed. Let's hit the uh, let's hit the shower, hit bath time, and get ready for bed. But for parents. Maybe you don't just want chicken tenders and macaroni and cheese every night. So HelloFresh can come and save the day there. Or if you're just anyone else that don't have kids, it's great. Time-saving solutions. They've got tons of options. And game-changing convenience. You can skip the trip to the grocery store. Time spent waiting in line. HelloFresh delicious recipes are just a click away. They've got an app. Um, You can pause or cancel your membership at any time. They've got 40 recipes each week crafted and curated by their chefs. Um, And yeah, spend less time meal prepping and planning 
and just have it shipped right to your door. If you go to HelloFresh.com slash 50 Josh Newberg or slash 50 JD and you use code 50 JD, you get 50% off plus 15% off the next two orders. So that's HelloFresh.com slash 50 JD and you use code 50 JD for 50% off your first and 15 off the next two. That's a tough deal to beat there so that's hello fresh check them out i've used them before fantastic honestly i know people are a little skittish about meals being shipped to you and throwing it in the microwave or the air fryer or whatever um you know cooking stuff everything is pre-packaged it's it's great so um also you can get one free breakfast item per order so there you go i'm not a big breakfast guy but get a free breakfast item you might want to eat it so um, that's HelloFresh.com slash 50JD and use code 50JD. All right, we're going to hear from the other sponsors. And when we get back, we will talk LSU. Sit tight. Be right back. Cooler temperatures are right around the corner. And as I like to say, it's the perfect time to play a round of golf. And if you're looking for a premier golf course in northwest Mississippi or the Memphis, Tennessee area, go to Cherokee Valley Golf Club in Olive Branch, 15 minutes from the Memphis International Airport. With those cooler temps, you might want to stay warm and comfortable on the course this fall. Go in the clubhouse and check out their new selection of outerwear from Travis Matthew and FootJoy, including FootJoy's new lightweight hoodie. This 18-hole par 72 course includes four sets of tees to accommodate all players and has 11 lakes, 52 bunkers, and the wide Zoysia fairways and extra-large champion Bermuda greens and clean roughs make for an excellent opportunity every single time to post a number. If you need a premier golf experience in the Mid-South, go to Cherokee Valley Golf Club. Call them at 662-893-4444 or check them out, olivebranchgolf.com. The College Corner is headed to Oxford. Stop by their new location in the Oxford Commons off Sisk Avenue. They'll have 4,000 square feet of Rebel gear ready for your trip to the Grove. On your next trip to Oxford, stop by the College Corner or our other great locations in Ridgeland and Flowood. Hats, shirts, polos, pullovers, sweats, t-shirts. College Corner has it all. And as always, you can visit us online at collegecornerstore.com. That's collegecornerstore.com. The College Corner, where your game day apparel meets. And we are back here on Daytime Fireworks. Zach Barry, David Brandt here with you. All right, David, let's get into it. The Magnolia Bowl. I don't even know if people actually nationally refer to this game as, as the Magnolia Bowl. I know people definitely hate I the trophy. I remember when they came, out, they came out with that trophy. <laughs> that cracked me up. Oh, my gosh. That was so amazing. Um, yeah, no one likes the trophy. Uh, all right. Ole Miss getting two points here, David. Um, not too shocked. After Ole Miss looked like how they looked last week, LSU <laughs> wins a good game against Arkansas. Like Arkansas got, got that was got a, a little... sneaky fun game. Yeah, that was a really <laughs> yeah. sneaky fun game. Sam Pittman and the boys were bucking their head a little bit and gave LSU all they could handle down in Death Valley. Um, LSU wins that one 34 31. It was kind of weird. I was talking with uh, the fellas from Hit That Line earlier. Um, I think it was Sunday or Monday. We were talking about how Arkansas just kind of let LSU drive down and just kick a game-winning field goal, like just a little chip shot. It was, it was 
kind of bizarre. Um, it was kind of one of the, you know, in the territory there, it's like, do we let them score like quick so we can get the ball back type sure. situation? Um, obviously, it backfired. LSU three and one. They're ranked 13th in the nation. Ole Miss three and one as well. 20th. Uh, it is a night game in Vaught Hemingway Stadium. It uh, don't get many night games against LSU and Vaught Hemingway. So crowd should be. Uh, I expect a big crowd. I, I don't. I don't think people are. You know. You know. It's crazy for people. You know. Top 20 team three and one. You lose on the road to Bama and people just automatically checking out. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. No. Nobody's. If you were planning on coming to the LSU game two weeks ago, you're still planning on coming yeah. to the LSU game. Yeah. <laughs> That's especially because especially because it's five o'clock. Um, right. It's a night game against LSU on a Saturday. People will be there. If they're not, yeah. I'll be shocked. So we talked about it a couple weeks ago, and I've talked about it on other podcasts as well. It's a very interesting LSU team. Um, they kind of get embarrassed on national TV against a good Florida State team, which is starting to look like a really good Florida State team. Um, I was about to say, yeah, I think Florida State's in that top three or four discussion at this point. Yeah, they're looking they're they're looking pretty salty right now. Um, but not the typical LSU that has the marquee NFL cachet type names all over the place at the skill positions. I think Malik Neighbors is good, and um, I, I like Brian Thomas as a receiver, but it's not the guys that scare you, right? It's not the Odell Beckhams, the, the Jarvis Landrys, the Justin Jeffersons. It's not those dudes. Um, and then, uh, you know, it's kind of a running back by committee there. Um, they kind of come at you with, with different dudes, and then Jane Daniels is under center, and he's very good and very effective in the run game. Um, I'm very intrigued to see how Ole Miss responds after that game at Bryant Denny. You have to think that entire locker room expected to win that game. Um, they came in very confident and they don't get it done. Back home is obviously a a good antidote to uh to bounce back. Um, but what do you anticipate Saturday looking like once it gets to be about eight o'clock Central Time? Well, like a like we talked about, I just think this is a big week for Ole Miss. If they can't bounce back and get off the mat and deliver a really good performance, I'm not even saying they they have to win. Although, you know, if they really want to make noise in the West, that's really important at this point. But, um, you know, I, I think that I, I would hope at least that Lane Kiffin is doing a little bit of offensive play calling, soul searching at this point, you know, and just trying to, to find that identity. I, I do think Ole Miss plays well, but I, I don't know what <laughs> – I, I hate to be wishy-washy about it, but I really – that Alabama game threw me for a loop a little bit. Like what I thought I knew about this team, I'm, I'm not sure. Yeah. So I, I think they will bounce off the mat. I think that, you know, LSU, like you said, is good. I think it's kind of in – a, in a way, you know, you talked about how the team's just a little different than maybe it was the last 10 or 15 years – um, I, I think that's kind of Brian Kelly's stamp on it. And I don't know if, I mean, obviously if you're at LSU, you've got all these Louisiana players, there's going to be great players. Like the, the, the fabric of LSU's football team is going to change that much. But I think, mm-hmm. you know, this, this is just a little bit of Brian Kelly, what he does, good or bad, anything like that. So anyway, I, you know, I, I think Ole Miss has a really good chance this week, but this is a gut that, you know, I'm, I'm, I've done, at least for this week, spouting confidently about what I think Ole Miss is going to do because I don't, I don't know at this point. 
Yeah, I don't either. This this would kind of be one of those where I think a lot of Ole Miss fans are going to lay the points, and then if Ole Miss wins, eh, it doesn't matter because uh, right. Ole Miss won. Um, I, I mean, if I'm picking against the spread, I'm I'm probably laying the points just because this could be a close game, and then LSU pulls away or maybe hits a big play downfield and, and ends up getting into uh you know territory to put it away with a field goal to cover or you know punch in a late score. I just, again, we, we keep going back to the creativity on defense. You know, how are they going to, to make adjustments that are going to be effective against SEC defenses? Because they did it against Tulane, and all due respect to the Green Wave, they're, they're a good team, but they're not SEC caliber across the board defensively. They did it against Georgia Tech, much better Georgia Tech team. I think Brent Key's doing a fantastic job there, and they've got a, a good thing going there with him. But – they're not SEC caliber athletes um, right. across the board. They, they might have one or two, but not across the board. So um, the run game is is crucial. We've talked about it plenty. The Kiffin offense is churning when the run game is effective. And yeah. if, I mean, they, if they cannot get a steady push and Quinshawn Judkins and Ulysses Bentley and Jackson Dart and whoever can't get going, it's going to be tough sledding. And it's probably going to be a long night, but um, I yeah. Think... Well, here's the deal: the deal with LSU is they're going to score some points. I mean, like yeah. and by every available measure, even in the loss to Florida State, they scored 24. They drop a 72 on Grambling. They score 41 against Mississippi State. They score 34 against Arkansas. I think Ole Miss's defense has been very solid. It was pretty good against Alabama, but I, I think you would agree that LSU at this point has many more offensive options than Alabama did, you know, and it just understands yeah. its identity a little better. So this feels like a game where Ole Miss has to score, like, and, and score quite a bit, you know, like kind of like that Arkansas game last week with LSU 34-31. This feels like that kind of game. And if, if Ole Miss can't get in that, in that 30-something range, then I, it just feels – it's a really tough path to victory because Jaden Daniels is going to do his thing. Like you said, Brian Thomas, Malik neighbors, they both went for over a hundred yards last week. Each had a pair of touchdowns. Logan Diggs had a nice game in the run game. Yeah. And they, they've got some dudes and they, and they know what they're doing. Yeah. They're fairly healthy. They're going to score some points. And so Ole Miss has to, I mean, I hate to be simplistic about it, but yeah, like Ole Miss needs to win this game 38 to 28 or something like that. And I'm just, I'm a little shaken. I'm not sure if they could do that right now. The interesting thing to me, and take this with a grain of salt or whatever, uh, this isn't like taking it to the bank or anything, but the matchup predictor, according to ESPN analytics right now, favors Ole Miss 56.6% to 43.4 against LSU, huh. which, which is interesting. Um I am curious because I was going to say, I, I do think Ole Miss typically plays better at home under Lane Kiffin. I, I don't know the home versus away win-loss record, but I, I just, without doing any research, I feel like it, it's a little bit better. I, I do think the crowds have been much better the last couple of years. Um, you know, I, I give a lot of... Uh, <laughs> I'm I'm hard on Vaught-Hemingway Stadium, David. I, I don't think it's a great venue when comparing it to others in the conference, but it's also not great. Like the acoustics are not great. It doesn't hold noise in like other stadiums do, but um, 
Yeah, I mean, I think people will be in the Grove early Saturday and people will be lubed up and ready to go by the time this one kicks off. So, um, 5 p.m. And, like, and, 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 and it's a huge opportunity, like we said. Like, the, the biggest silver lining of the loss to Alabama is, you know, seven days later, you've got a really huge opportunity. You beat LSU, everything's fine for the most part. Yeah, it's like, oh, absolutely. yeah, that Bama, game, that Bama game sucked, but, you know, we're back on track nobody's worried about that and the way Bama looks at this point you know you can see them losing a game or two in the SEC at some point so like you're still in the hunt you know everything yeah. as, as you were so look, this is, it's a huge it's a huge opportunity for Ole Miss I am not I am not putting a you know a, a death knell on the season or anything yeah I was gonna say you have to at this point you have to win this one and then win next week and then you just hey let's just see what happens because lots stranger no, things have happened. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because I mean, look. Regardless, excuse me. Regardless of what happened last week, Alabama is certainly beatable. They have holes. I mean, Ole Miss played incredibly bad offensive football, and were in that game. And they were in the game for three and a half quarters. Basically. Yeah, at least three quarters. Yeah. I mean, so, it felt like Alabama was going to win, but that was not a blowout. And Ole Miss played about as. Poor as it possibly, I, I mean, I guess there weren't a ton of turnovers, but Ole Miss had a rough game and they were still in that game. Yeah, and so you here here's your opportunity against LSU and Arkansas. Both are at home at night. Like, look, I, I've said I've said this exact thing to people. If Kiffin's going to do it, it's right. It's it's this. It's these next two weeks. It's now or never. I know we said that last week with Bama. It's now or never. We moved on, but we're keeping the same energy here. You got to get it done. Two games at home at night. You got to win. Because this is what they has, hired him for. <laughs> this is this is, this, is what, this is what you make. This you is what you make nine million dollars. Right. You don't have to win them all, but you got to win some of them, and really more than half. Like you know, when they're paying that kind of money, you're paid to win this this stretch. Like you said, these two games at home, and then the Alabama game. You're paid to win two out of those three. So this is a, a good segue here into my question that I was going to pose to you that was brought up to me um, yesterday by uh, a good buddy who said, I believe he said he saw it on a message board. I can't remember if he did or not. So if someone put this on a message board somewhere, I'm sorry. Uh, the credit goes to you, whoever you are. Um, but he brought it up to me. The question was, is Lane Kiffin just Dan Mullen at Ole Miss? And here's ah, the here are the qualifiers here, David. Wins games he should, but nothing else. Really good with quarterbacks. A troll. <laughs> Both their worth was maybe a touch inflated as a potential head coach by winning at programs um, that don't win a lot. And they both earned their stripes as OCs on national championship teams. And then historically, now in this cycle right now, David, they're recruiting much better. But historically, both of them are not the biggest fans of recruiting and kind of put it to the wayside some. And probably one that, you know, might have changed this, you know, after the extension. But initially, both Dan Mullen and Lane Kiffin thought they were better than the jobs they were at. I actually really, really like that comparison. 
and I know that that's probably it's, cra- like it's a, crazy accurate. That's, right, that's probably a stake to the heart of of Ole Miss fans. But you know, wh- whoever put that on the message board, Angry Reb forty one or something like that, like that was a <laughs> that was a very on point. Because I, I think the reason why you don't think about that is personality wise, they're a lot, they're quite a bit different. Like Dad is, you know, sure. just a little more prickly and stuff like that. He just is, he's very Dan Mulleny, but you know, in all the good and bad ways that entails. But uh, Lane is just a little more photogenic, <laughs> you know, like he he's a, he's a little more. Uh, there, there's a there's a there's a few different qualities. But as far as like their resumes. I think there are a lot of similarities as far as winning the games they're supposed to struggling in games. They don't both being, you know, it really struck me like feeling at some point they were almost too good for the job they were at, even if they don't explicitly say that, like almost that feeling that, Hey, I'm doing you a favor by staying here. There was always, I always got those years. I covered Mississippi state. You always got that feeling for Mullen. I, I do think Mullen liked, Mississippi State I think the whole that he was miserable in Starkville I don't think that's true but I do believe that Dan Mullen believed he was like a gift from God to start you know what I mean yeah. like just my my football acumen and and you know I, I'm being a little over the top here but I think Lane Kiffin is kind of the same way it's like oh I chose to to stay here and and be with you people in Mississippi and you should be happy enjoy your nine and three and and yeah like it you know that sort of thing so i i mean yeah i i think that comparison and like you said the offensive backgrounds all that different stuff it's it's kind of scary once you got into all those different points now for all the damn mullen stands out there who are probably screaming at their phone or their their radio in their car as they listen to this hold on give me a second dan mullen did have some big wins when he was at Mississippi State when he was at Florida. Now this and is Dan going. Mullen's a good football coach. He's a yeah. good football coach. That's that's a thing. Like Lane Kiffin is a good football coach. In some ways, it's almost a compliment because I yeah. mean, I thought yeah. Dan Mullen they they may they may build a statue for Dak and Dan Mullen someday in, in Starkville. I mean, like those were I you know that that win they had over Auburn when they were number one in the college football playoff. Yeah. You know, this was. 20 that was the, one of the coolest atmospheres i've ever been in any sport for anything like when they jumped up two touchdowns on auburn in that first quarter and it was 14 nothing i mean i thought that stadium was going to implode it was so loud it was incredible so yeah. yes Mullen that was, wasn't wins. that wasn't that back-to-back weeks where game day was in ole miss and ole miss beat bama and then game day went to starkville the next week and they beat auburn yeah i've i've always wanted to write like a, a short book or something about that three or four week span when Mississippi was the absolute like epicenter of college yeah. football, yeah. you know, cause that was, that was the same time that old Miss Katie Perry's stage diving at Oxford and like everybody's going nuts. And, you know, I, I still remember, you know, I think they were first and third state was first and old Miss was third in the initial college yeah. football playoff ranking that year. And so anyway, we're getting a little off track, but Yes, Mullen had some big wins, and I think if Kiffin stays long enough, he'll have some big wins too. He could very well win on Saturday, but there, yeah, excuse me, there's some there's some very big similarities, and you know, and now that we're thinking about going down this rabbit hole, Dan Mullen had games like that at Mississippi State too, where the offense 
you were just like, what are they doing? You know what I mean? Okay. Like they're just so, so vanilla right now. And yeah, like, so I had that and, exact and conversation. Had, right. Yeah. I had that exact conversation about that last drive in the L- Ole Miss Alabama game last week. Dan Mullen would do that same thing against Alabama where it was like, he knows he's not beating Alabama, but he's going to drain as much clock to where he can score here to end the game to where Bama won't get it back and score. Right. He would, he would do that stuff. Embarrassing it was. Yeah, he <laughs> yeah. did that. And if he didn't do it purposely, it sure looked like it because that happened a couple times. I, I agree. And so, yeah, yeah the there there's a lot of the same feelings with Mullen when he was at State with Kiffin and Ole Miss right now. Frustration. Yeah. I mean, you've yeah. obviously got a good roster. You're competitive week in and week out. And we've all at both schools, whether you're an Ole Miss or a State fan, you've been through those dark days where you're three and nine with no hope. And, you know, like, so you're you're hesitant to get too upset sometimes, but it, it is frustrating to get to that eight and four point and to just continually feel like you're beating your head yeah. against the wall. Can't You can't break through that ceiling. Um all right, so I'll give you the the, the people, the, the damn on fans out there that are still yelling at their radio. I'll give you the flowers here. So at Mississippi State, and this is per the final poll, so this is what that team finished ranked at the end of that season. So in 2017, Mississippi State beat LSU. LSU ended up finishing ranked 18th in the country that year. Ole Miss in 2009 finished 20th. Dan Mullen beat them. Uh, I was at that one. That was miserable. And then uh, 2014, Auburn uh, finished 22nd, that game you were referencing just now. Uh, So those were three big ranked wins um, for Dan Mullen at Mississippi State. And then at Florida, he beat number six LSU in 2018, number seven Georgia in 2020, and number 14 Auburn in 2019. So... Those are six big wins. I mean, right now, David, I don't have the final rankings in front of me, but could you tell me three big wins that Lane Kiffin's had at Ole Miss? Just the three biggest ones you remember. I mean, I'm terrible at stuff like that. Everything goes, but no, I can't. (laughs) Short answer. I mean, like, I'm not very good at going back. Yeah, I don't know what the what what they finish ranked, which affects things. Um, but at the at the time they were big wins. I would give you uh twenty twenty one at Tennessee. That's probably his best. When Matt Corral ran the ball thirty plus times and they they get a big win on the road, everybody starts throwing stuff on the field. That was a big one. Yeah, I mean, last year there isn't really one to last year it was Kentucky. Early in the year, both were ranked high. Um now let us talk about sounded like Dan Mullen, like the big win over Kentucky. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah. Yeah. So at the time 21, you know, they beat Texas A&M, but that was a nice win. Yeah. I was going to say last year too, on the road, raucous environment, they beat A&M. Now the A&M team, I think was what, five and seven, Um, but a loaded roster across the board, whatever. So yeah, not the cachet of Dan Mullen's wins where those teams finished ranked. But um, yeah, I mean that's it though. That, we're we're really stretching it there to right. Make... That fifty-two fifty-one win over Arkansas was fun. Oh yeah, okay. And Arkansas yeah. at the and Arkansas at the time was thirteenth, I think. So and that was coming off that loss to to Alabama forty-two twenty-one. So maybe that bodes well. You know yeah. that was the same thing. They were on Ooh. the road against Alabama, then they come okay. back and beat Arkansas. So 
Look and, at you. And, you know, well, I'm, I'm going back looking through this, so maybe there's some hope that that's a, you know, come back, have a barn burner against Arkansas. Maybe they can do the same thing against LSU. And they, they actually went on to beat Tennessee on the road and then, like you talked about, and then come back and beat LSU before losing to Auburn. So, yeah. I mean, you know, I, I think they can do it. You know, sometimes we get a little bit of recency bias. But as deflating as that loss was last week, and we, we've been hard on the fighting Glade Kiffins, but, you know, they like <laughs> I said, they have that they have the opportunity to, to steal yeah. it right back because they have the talent to do it. Speaking of having the talent to do it, if you're looking to cut your health insurance premiums by as much as 20 to 30 percent, Drew Moak has got all the talent and more to get that done for you at USA Benefits Group. You can give him a call, 601-953-8449. He's an Ole Miss grad. He's located in Mississippi, but he's licensed in seven states, so it doesn't matter. He can get it done for you. He works with the nation's second-largest health insurance brokerage with access to 35 different carriers. He can help you with any of your health insurance needs, regular health plans, life insurance, dental, vision, Medicare. He's got it all. Now more than ever, it's critical to have a health insurance agent who is not only local and accessible, but also one that can get you a free quote. Can't beat that. Now with a stick. Give him a call, 601-953-8449, or visit him at usabg.com slash D-M-O-A-K and get that free quote today. All right, one final break, and then we will get to picks for week five. So sit tight, and we will be right back on the other side. Are you looking at cutting your health insurance premiums by as much as 20 to 30%? Are you aging into Medicare and need help finding a Medicare supplement plan? Call Drew Moak of USA Benefits Group at 601-953-8449. Drew is an Ole Miss grad located in Mississippi and licensed in seven states. He works with the nation's second largest health insurance brokerage with access to 35 different carriers, and he can help you with any of your health insurance needs. From regular health plans to life insurance to dental and vision and even Medicare, he has it all covered. Now more than ever, it is critical to have a health insurance agent who is local and accessible. So call Drew Moak at 601-953-8449 and get your free quote today. The older I get, the more I realize there are just some things I don't know. Balancing a budget, for example. I'm not a financial whiz. Sure, I know batting averages, passing and rushing yards, three-point shooting percentage. But intentionally putting away money for retirement? That's where my friends at NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast come in. NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the financial world, helping you make smarter decisions with your money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning my tax bills so I don't dread April every single year. Actually, I was one of the first in line this time around. Saving on travel so that I can take my girls on trips. Because spending less on airfare means more money for an extra night and maybe a fancy dinner too. So enjoy the things you love, the Ole Miss Rebels, your family, your friends, knowing that your financial situation is taken care of with advice that you followed from NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app today. Trust me, future you will thank you. All right, David, let's fire it up. Week five, we have got no non-con games here. We have got straight Yeah, I'm looking up. through it. There's some, there's some good games this week. We got, some, we got some SEC on SEC heat this week. Um, shout out to my boy Lane Trotman as he uh, – he loves to use heat 
Uh, so we got some uh, we, we got some games with teeth. So let's get into it. 11 a.m. ESPN. Now, number 22, Florida, heading to Lexington and Kroger Field. Um, that one, Kentucky. I think that's a great game. I think that's going to be a great game. Kentucky, yeah, Kentucky giving Florida two and a half here. Um, don't look now, but Graham Mertz and the Gators are kind of finding their footing a little bit. Um, now, I do say that a little tongue-in-cheek as they whipped – quote whipped charlotte last week 22 to 7 but <laughs> they did keep the uh the the trend going of beating tennessee in the swamp um a couple weeks ago and um they've won three straight after losing the opener to utah uh kentucky put it on vandy last week 45 28 in nashville um what's the vibe here cuz i i, I know very little about Kentucky I have hand up here David I have not watched them hardly at all outside of some highlights but I'm the same way you were talking (laughs) about that matchup predictor it's like almost 50 50 yeah it's it's right there 51.9 for Kentucky 40 and that's how I feel I think it's going to be you know Florida Graham Mertz like you said has been you know sneakily you look at his stats now 84 for a 84 for 108, 951 yards, four touchdowns, one interception. Those were really good numbers. Yeah. Um, you know, and and like like you said, I don't know a ton about Kentucky, but they seem to be competitive year to year out. I that's just one of those fun games where you don't have especially our lives, you know, covering the SEC yeah. West. That's more of a just grab some breakfast, you know, grab lunch, brunch, whatever, and just watch a good football game, see what right. happens. So um I wish I had a, a, a great reasoning. For some reason, I think Florida pulls that one out, but I, I don't have any great inside intel on that. Yeah, so looking at – so if, if we're running through my um, qualifiers for picking games, quarterback, is this a wash? Is it maybe a – you know, is this a push or maybe leaning Mertz a little because he's playing a little bit better? Because Devin Leary – Really good at NC State, but then had the injury. He hasn't quite looked the same. Um, and Kentucky, I mean, outside of Tavian Robinson and, and Barry and Brown, like how explosive are they? Um, Kroger Field, David, I, I'll say this. Now, it is a day game, but the old K-Roger it's can, Florida. Get, it, it can get rocking. Now, yeah, it's not I mean, super that, loud, but like they'll they'll be they'll be there, they'll be fired up, be sixty thousand people there. Right. It's not Kentucky, you know, because it's been such a basketball school over the years. You know, Rusty Hampton, my old uh, editor at uh he's not old. He was my previous sorry, Rusty, if you're listening, you're not <laughs> old. Um, but <laughs> but my editor when I was there, you know, he covered Kentucky before he came back to the Clary Ledger. He was there from ninety eight to two thousand two, basically the Tim Couch years. Mm-hmm. And uh, he covered f- football and basketball. And he said he, the big revelation when he was up there is that Kentucky, a, a little like South Carolina, maybe not quite as as good a, as far as the fan base, but Kentucky mm-hmm. has a much more rabid into it fan base football wise. And I think a lot of people give them credit for it. I think that, you know, now that, that Stoops has got it going, that's helped. And I think if Kentucky ever really, you know, gets into that 10 win territory. Yeah, that's that's a tough place to play. Yeah, I, I'm probably leaning Florida here because if I'm not 
judging off of just the quarterback play, just because it's a little tight. I'm looking at the lines of scrimmage, and I think defensively Florida is going to get after Devin Leary and and make life hard on the Wildcats. Because look, right. I, all jokes aside, I don't think Florida. I still don't think they're very good. Um, and we're about to find out in the next month or so. But defensively, they have talent in the front seven, and I do think they're going to be able to get after Kentucky and 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 win this one. So I would lay the. It's just two and a half. So I'll lay the points here. Sure. Yeah, that's – I mean, yeah, I have Florida, but I'm not, like, super convicted about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, same. Um, I wouldn't I wouldn't touch this game with real money is basically what we're getting – I think that's right. what we're both getting at here. All right. Sure, yeah. I, I don't know enough to make a, you know, a financial investment in that game. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, also at 11, SEC Network, in Jerry World, in Arlington, Texas, you've got A&M. Now three and one, taking on Arkansas, who is now two and two, coming off the tough loss to LSU. AM beat Auburn. My goodness, David. I don't know if you watched this one, but it was it was watching paint dry, buddy. It was not <laughs> it uh, did, every time I looked at the score, I was like, should I turn that game on? Nah, it doesn't look that interesting. <laughs> I'll, I'll watch other games. It uh yeah, it wasn't it wasn't great. It wasn't too fun. Um I like AM here. I, I think um now I, I, I don't do know I don't know the availability of Connor Wegman. Uh he did go out in that game. Um but Max look, Johnson Max, played well. <laughs> Max Johnson came in and was slanging it with some authority. He he was he, he was had some conviction no, with fine. some throws. <laughs> um yeah, I KJ Jefferson's gonna make this one fun. Um he still gives Arkansas that punch that it needs. Arkansas just can't really get things going without Rocket Sanders. Um, he's been banged up. I, I, he is – I mean, he was their squad last year. I mean, K.J. Jefferson mm-hmm. is K.J. Jefferson. He's very good, but th- they need him. They need Rocket Sanders. It's, it's a lot like Ole Miss. Like, they need – Ole Miss needs Quinchon Judkins to be the dude he was last year, and same with Arkansas. I, I like the Aggies here. Um I think that it's a neutral site game, whatever. Um, it's six and a half. Um, I think AM could win this one by 10, right? That's not crazy to say. I No, I, I feel that too. That's kind of what I was thinking. Like just off. And again, you know, the quarterback situation plays into it a little bit. I do think Arkansas, you know, when you, when you know what you've got back there helps yeah. a little bit, but I also, I wonder about a kind of a little bit of a hangover for Arkansas after getting sure close against LSU and then it just not working. And then you got another game back to back against A&M, you know, the Bobby Petrino bowl, that sort of stuff. Like I, I just think Texas A&M is trending in a better direction right now, even though I was impressed with Arkansas last week, but yeah, I think yeah. Texas A&M can, can win by more than six and a half. All right. Two thirty CBS in Auburn, Alabama. Every time I look at this, David, I want to say Jordan Harry Stadium, but out of respect, <laughs> it is Jordan Hare. Um, <laughs> fourteen and a half is the spread here. I kind of feel, I kind of, <laughs> I kind of feel like this is a game where Kirby Smart gets it going. They've had some some snoozers. They were, you know, asleep at the wheel against South Carolina. They turned it on in the second half. Same thing with UAB. They're just kind of playing with their food. And uh, they end up running away with it. 
I, the combination of, I think this is where Kirby finally says enough is enough and starts getting in some people's asses. But I also just don't think Auburn's very good. That's, that's my biggest point. I think George is very, very good. I think they're a playoff team and national contender, all that stuff. But I think what you saw with Auburn, you know, they played three quarterbacks against Texas A&M. They're, they're searching and, and, you know, freeze, I give him a lot of credit. He's got a bag of tricks, but most of the time, but I don't know if there's any bag to put the tricks in this. Stuff. Like, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, I, I just, I just think you can't, you got to have I don't, players yeah, at I don't, some point. And I'm not sure he has what he if, needs to do what yeah. he wants to do. If I can, if I can make a, a dad joke here, David, I don't think Hugh Freeze's bag of tricks is like Big Jack Horner on Puss in Boots. <laughs> where he's right. just I mean, I, room for everything. Right. No, this is a very small, it's, it's like a little, a little satchel of, of tricks for this <laughs> yeah. or something like that. Like that, that's what we're down to. So uh, again, I, I think this George is good. And I think you're right that Kirby smart is, is probably itching to have that, you know, just really steamroll somebody. And they yeah, haven't really and... done that in a while. So I can see that coming, but I think that's more because of Auburn's just not going to have many answers. I would take Georgia all day on that one. Not the best bulletin board material, not the best locker room fire to light, but did you see Hugh Freeze's quote yesterday? I did not. What did he say? So it was basically like the the shtick he had at Ole Miss where it was like a variation of what he would say at Ole Miss, but he basically was like, we're going to play out of love for each other and not for the hatred of somebody else. Because it's Oh, a, yeah, you know, I remember that one. The, the, that, was, that was his egg bowl. That was always his egg bowl thing about like, you know, yeah, how they approach it. Cause Mullen <laughs> to his credit really, really ratcheted up that egg bowl rivalry. Yeah. But yes. Um, so yeah, he, uh, he's pulling, uh, he's pulling that out of his, uh, prosperity gospel bag of tricks there. Uh, I don't <laughs> think it's going to work. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's going to be rough sledding, uh, for, uh, for the Tigers in uh, the South's oldest rivalry. All right. After that, that's 2.30 CBS, if I didn't say that already. Uh, we're not going to spend a lot of time on this one, David. 3 o'clock, SEC Network, Missouri. Now number 23 ranked Missouri Tigers in Nashville. Taking on the Commodores. Um, <laughs> David, this one's so lame that there's not even a pop-up ad on ESPN for this one. Um <laughs> They couldn't even sell it. They couldn't sell it. <laughs> uh, Missouri minus 13. I'm laying the points. Uh, I don't even think Missouri's that good, but I'm still laying the points. Uh, they were in a dogfight with Middle Tennessee. They win against Kansas State on a 61-yard field goal, and then Memphis gave them all they could handle in St. Louis last week. Um, I think Luther Burden is probably going to have himself a day, get behind the the secondary quite a bit. Um, and AJ Swan has been pretty disappointing so far for Vandy. They're two and three. Uh, they've lost three in a row. I, I like Missouri big in this one. There is no home field advantage at First Bank Stadium, so it doesn't no. matter. They they can play this one on the moon, and Missouri's winning this one. No, I will say to give Missouri some credit, they have a little bit, a little bit of those TCU vibes from last year. And I'm not yeah. going to play for a national title because <laughs> we're not. But you remember that TCU kept winning games by like three points. Yeah. You know, like just barely escaping against teams that were just okay. And you're like, 
Yeah, just, hor- just like, horse, horseshoe the- up the ass games. Right. And, and you know, they've got Vanderbilt. They could be 5-0. and oh. Then they get a free shot at home against LSU. Then it gets interesting. I, like I said, I don't, I don't think Missouri's going to run the table or anything. But they're – you know, there's something to be said about figuring out a way to win games, and so far they're doing it. So I'm, I'm kind of, I'll, I'll say this about Missouri: I'm paying attention now, at least. Yeah, they're four zero. Give them, give them credit. Um, you know, not bad. I mean, like I said, they got Luther Burden. I don't think anybody on uh, Vandy's squad can cover him. Uh, nope. He, uh, he's having a a really good uh, sophomore campaign there. All right, <clears throat> six thirty. SEC Network, South Carolina travels to Knoxville. Tennessee still ranked in the top 25. Um, man, this is a weird game. I That is a weird game. I was thinking, because I, I want my my July self wants to pick South Carolina here. But yeah, they, yeah. they've been so kind of back and forth. The offense looked better against Mississippi State last week. I just, I don't have confidence that that team can go into Neyland and, you know, score 30 points. I just. Okay. So this one is so weird because there are probably South Carolina fans out there that are having the same issues, you know, just the mental gymnastics of that offense. And like, what are we doing? Why are we, why are we doing one thing that works and then doing another thing that is so frustrating and just slamming why are we making this so hard (laughs) it's so i said this last year oh like all year i was like just let spencer rattler cook just like let him do his thing and they just kept trying to run the football kept trying to run the football and trying to do this pro style whatever and then late in the year they let him cook and they beat clemson and they have a hell of a bowl game against notre dame whatever they're doing it again this year where they're like trying to be cute and trying to establish the run and, you know, but then against Mississippi state, they finally just were like, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to let Spencer Rattler just throw the shit out of the ball. And we're going to just see what happens. And he was great. I mean, he started out what, like 18 for 18. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. They, something crazy. It was at least 17. Uh, yeah. I mean, he, it was, it was crazy. Like he was outstanding. Um, their defense is still a huge liability. Um, Mississippi State, to their credit, David, they might have listened to the Talk Champions podcast last week. They let Will You're Rogers right. cook. They just let him sling yeah. it. And that, well, worked. I just, it, you know, for somebody worked. like Will Rogers, it was so sad watch. I can't, whatever game that was a week or two ago where, you know, it looked like he was a shove. That, I guess it was LSU where his line is, let me look. What did he throw for in that game? Yeah, 11 for 28 for 103 yards. Come on, man. Like, that's a, you know, like Will Rogers is a pretty good quarterback. Like let, let him do what he does well. And you can worry about maybe establishing the kind of offense you want to really, you know, if you're Zach Arnett, like I realize you want to have an identity, but at least for this team, like I think your best chance is just letting Will Rogers throw it around and see mm-hmm. what happens. And and they definitely did that 487 yards last week. Yeah, he did. Um, as his, <laughs> his QBR was still terrible. Um, yes, but, uh, that is amazing. F- a 54 QBR on 487 <laughs> yards. That's uh, it, it's crazy. And it's not so, like he had four interceptions or anything like that. Yeah, no. It, so maybe States found something there. Um, I like Tennessee in the spot. I think this one could get a little squirrely just cause it's kind of a little quasi rivalry. 
um, between these two East teams. They don't like each other. Uh, the fans don't like each other. Um, I what's the line? The, li- the line is twelve and a half. That's a lot. Yeah, I. I don't know, part, but, part but of I, me, I can see today. That's a good line because I can see it both ways. Yeah, it's night game in Neyland. Uh, I just I'm gonna go Tennessee. I South Carolina hasn't shown me enough. I think Tennessee can win by two touchdowns. That's I'm leaning that way too. Um, I wouldn't touch this one because Rattler could go off in the fourth quarter and make it close. Sure, or just get a garbage touchdown, and you know Tennessee wins by ten. Um, yeah, I think Tennessee wins the football game. I, again, I still have questions about the South Carolina defense. They they have so many blown coverages. Will Rogers made them pay a couple times last week, and I think Tennessee has better receivers than Mississippi State, so I, I like the balls here uh, to win this one handily. All right, last one on the slate, nightcap. We got 8 o'clock ESPN Alabama travels to Starkville. Could this potentially be a um oh, well actually what do you call it? It's not Rat a poison. what's the op, what what's doing? the what's the opposite of a look ahead? Like you know, could the this be opposite. a little bit of a oh a hangover? Yeah, there it is. A little bit of a hangover yeah. for Alabama. I I would Nick Saban would never admit it. They put a lot into that game last week. They did. That was an important game for them too. As much as it yeah. was such a not, you yeah, know, not a even about Lane Kiffin. They needed right. That. that was a, that was a big win for Alabama because you know and just it didn't solve all their issues because it still looks like they've got some of the same issues. But they did establish kind of an identity of winning ugly. The defense, you know, we're talking a lot about Ole Miss's offense, but give Alabama's defense some credit. They obviously made things difficult too. So you kind of, if you're Alabama, you found the blueprint to how you got to win this year, essentially. Yeah. Um, so this one, um, with Mississippi State going on a long road trip over to South Carolina last week, losing in a tight one. Um, I don't know if they were necessarily, you know, in a spot to win it so to speak. I mean, they, it was a close game, but I think South they were Carolina competitive. They took a step forward. Sure. Yeah. I mean, only lost by seven, but I think that, um, you know, South Carolina was in control the whole game. So I, I'm I very, agree. very intrigued to see this one because I do think Mississippi state defensively has got some spunk to them. They're going to be physical. They've got some, some veteran guys over there in the front seven that will make it, um, at least a game. It's a night game in Davis Wade. Now I'll, <laughs> I'll throw you this, David. If this if this is a year where Mississippi State beats Alabama, do you think Nick Saban goes to the podium on Sunday or Monday and calls for the Cowbells to be done away with finally? Because <laughs> if on some... how they respect the bell. <laughs> You know, some, are, are they respecting that? It's, it's been a few years since I've been at Davis Wade. What do they? What do they say? The bell. What do they? Um, respect the bell. Just yell. Uh, ring, ring responsibly. Like. Ring responsibly. Right. And um, I, I will, to Davis Wade's credit, I was amazed at how well that actually worked for several years. Like they kind of followed the rules more than yeah, you would of, expect. Sort of. Sixty thousand. I mean, <laughs> sorry, it's not perfect, but I mean, I was expecting yeah. like, full on. I will not comply. Like. 
all that. And, it, and they kind it of basically it. it's it's dictated by the time of kick, and then also like. Yeah, maybe they ring responsibly in the first and part of the second quarter, but once the second now half gets going, true. they right. don't care. If it's anymore. truly an important drive, like they're going to ring the bells. Yeah. Um, so if, if the SEC is going to listen to anyone, it's, it's Nick Saban. But, um, but yeah, so states getting 14 here. Ah, this one will be kind of cute for a little bit, but I like the Crimson Tide. I'd lay the points. I mean, I think the Tide are going to win. I just, I can see that, again, another well-played line by Vegas. Um, yeah. You know, you just wonder how many points Alabama can score. They're, they're just not a team that's built to – the problem is I just don't think Mississippi – you know, if Will Rogers struggled against LSU, I think State's going to struggle against Alabama too. I, I – yeah, this, I mean, this feels like a 31-10 to 10. Something like that. I don't know. Maybe closer in the first half. Yeah. Yeah, I, I feel Alabama. I just – yeah, and look, Mississippi State's offensive line has issues too. Um, I mean, they've struggled a lot this year like Ole Miss has. I feel like this is one where Dallas Turner and company get after Will Rogers and make it hard for him to sit back there and 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 really be successful. I hmm. – yeah, I'd lay the points. I – Night game there, it'll be fun for state fans for a quarter and a half, but I think eventually Alabama is going to turn up the heat and, and they'll run away with it. They'll just, they'll, they're kind of going to go back to kind of what they used to do in the early 2000s, just lean on you. Yeah, just get up like 17 to 7 and then just, just you know, suffocate just you. Squeeze it right. Um, so yeah, uh, week five is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, again, if uh, you were not familiar, Ole Miss, LSU, two three and one teams in the West, five o'clock ESPN. Um, that one's going to be fun. I, I anticipate a uh, pretty raucous crowd because I I do think as frustrated as people were from last week, I do think Ole Miss fans recognize that you know it's September and everything is still within reach. Just just win and see what see what happens. Like you said, right, I was about to say that crazier things have happened, and like I said, all is forgiven for Lane Kiffin if he, or at least ninety percent of it. Yeah, all those fans is forgiven if they beat LSU. <laughs> yeah, I do. I do think that's true. I, I do think if they, if Ole Miss can get a win on Saturday, people will be all in again, as they should, because you're still. Yeah, I mean, I'm still in the, right. in the mix. Mean, Anytime, if you're being honest with yourself and you see Alabama and LSU back-to-back weeks, like, you're pretty happy with a split on that one. I mean, those are – that's two tough games. Like, even if you think Ole Miss should be a top-ten team, you know, splitting that – those two games is – there's no shame in that. If you gave people two and one against Alabama, LSU, and Arkansas – they would they would take it without even asking who the loss was to, I think. But if you tell them it's to Bama, then yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, sure, you know, people irritated about the Bama loss, and obviously it's coming first. So if they yeah, yeah. it the the order matters too. But yeah, this is you know, it's a massive opportunity for Ole Miss both ways. Big game for LSU too, because you know, yeah. I think if they win this game, LSU's kind of right back there in oh, the, they're driving in the playoff it. discussion. Yep. 
All right. That is going to do it for daytime fireworks. We appreciate y'all tuning in. We appreciate the sponsors that make this one possible. And uh, we will be back next week as we will get into week six as Ole Miss will host Arkansas at 630 on SEC Network. So back-to-back home stands, huge opportunity for Ole Miss and Lane Kiffin to get those marquee wins that have just dodged them for three years. Appreciate you, David. We will talk next week, my friend. Good stuff. Big weekend. Looking forward to it. All right. That's going to do it. Make sure to like, subscribe this show and all of the shows on the Talk of Champions podcast network. And make sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel at OM Spirit. And you can get all of your podcasts there as well if you would like a visual medium or an audio medium on a visual platform. So for David over there, I'm Zach. This has been Daytime Fireworks. Until next Tuesday, we out. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets and so much more download the app in virginia today and get 150 dollars in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at betmgm betmgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly see betmgm.com for terms 21 plus only virginia only new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days please gamble responsibly gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER promotional offer not available in washington dc